Well, it was a very, very cold December day in Canada, December 23rd, when two women decided they were going to drive from Alberta to British Columbia. If you don't know your geography, it doesn't matter. And so they began traveling. They got about halfway there, and they were coming up on a, a small town called McBride. It had been a long time since the last town. And they got to a point in the road, and it was blocked. It was closed because of an accident that had just taken place. So rather than just turn around and go back home, they decided, let's just punch in a reroute on our Google Maps. Anybody ever done that before? So the, the map took, took them on a forest service road, which as they began going down, they thought this is going to be fine. It had recently been plowed. It was paved. And so they went, as they see in Canada, many, many kilometers into this, this forest road when they finally came to a wall of snow where the plowing had ended. Well, at that point in time, it was late, it was dark, it was cold, so th they couldn't just stop, they couldn't go forward. They decided they were going to try and make a U-turn on this very narrow road and ended up getting themselves stuck. Well, not to worry, they had their cell phones with them, so they pulled their cell phones out, and of course, neither one of their phones had any service whatsoever. Uh, the rescuer that was involved in the rescue of these women was explaining that a rescue like this normally requires an exorbitant amount of effort. Usually what happens is uh, someone maybe on the other end that was waiting for them, they never arrive, maybe a day or two later they get notice, and then they begin to triangulate to try and figure out where they may have gone off track, and then they get multiple rescue agencies involved in trying to find somebody. Sometimes it can take up to a week or more. And you can imagine when it's bitter cold, the chances of survival rapidly drop. But in this case, this woman had the brand new iPhone 14, which had been advertised, uh, this message brought to you by Apple iPhone 14. She, she had the feature that has the satellite SOS where even if you don't have Wi-Fi, if you push that button, it sends a signal to a satellite. That satellite sends a signal to an Apple Center, and then that Apple Center then sends out a 911 distress call. So that is exactly what happened. They got a distress, dress, distress call and a package of information that had their exact coordinates so that the rescuers were able to just immediately go, find them, turn them around, and get them on their way. We don't often think about the importance of our connections until we're in trouble. And I don't know if you're like me, but I feel like Wi-Fi is the bane of my existence. I, like, anytime you want to use your phone, you see one dot, it's sketchy, or you're trying to you know, watch a movie, stream, do your face, whatever it is. Have you ever noticed, I think it was Gary Goldman said this, that the phone is now the most seldom used app on your phone, right? <laughs> and so we just struggle to find connection, but it's also true in the relational sense. I think often we don't realize the quality of our connections till something bad happens. 
And we are designed for connection, and we're going to be talking about that this morning. Because connection is so important in our lives that when we don't have it, we experience things like, number one, depression. Uh, Anxiety is a result of a lack of connection, insecurity, irritability, insomnia, uh, having eating problems, health issues. They say that a lack of connection, loneliness, is more unhealthy for you than smoking a pack of cigarettes every day. It is a serious issue, and one of the reasons it's so serious is because It's against our design. We are designed for connection from the very beginning. In fact, in Genesis 2.18, second chapter of the Bible, we're kind of laying out, God is involved in creating everything and man is the pinnacle of his creation and everything is good, nothing has been spoiled yet, but this is what God says in this verse. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. I feel like that verse could say, then the Lord said, it is not good for Dan to be alone. I will make a helper for him. I was thinking about the reality of this because last week we had a wonderful baptism And baptisms involved a lot of work. I don't know if you guys know this, but we bring the baptismal over from storage. We fill it with water the night before. Uh, I I put on the the little heating element and it, it sterilizes and it makes the water like a really, really nice hot tub. In fact, the only thing that's missing maybe is candles and a glass of wine, but probably not the best image for a baptism. But But you get my point, so it's all ready for the next morning, and I had the shirts all ready for the people, the baptismal candidates wear shirts that say, you know, I've been baptized, and and so uh, all ready to go the next morning. I I was so on top of things that I put the shirts in the front seat of my truck, so when I drove, I would have them. Of course, I get here, and uh, I didn't realize till about nine in the morning that we drove the car, not the truck, so all the shirts were at home, and so I, I, Talk to Teresa, can you go home? Yeah, no problem. And so she went, anyway, you might think I'm, really, think I'm really put together, but I'm far less put together than you think. It's mostly the people around me that are helping me. And you say, we didn't think you were put together, but that's okay. <laughs> this is not just a verse about marriage. This is a ber- verse about human condition, human beings. We are people that need connection. It's hardwired into us. Obviously, we have a connection with God, but we also were designed with a connection with each other. And I want to talk today about that and look at it maybe in a little different way than sometimes we do, because I think sometimes we just think, oh, I need more friends. I need to go out and make friends. I need to make the right kind of friends. I need to spend my time with the right kind of people. And we don't really think about what's going on inside of us when we're trying to connect with somebody. So... I want to talk today about how we can improve our connectivity and our maturity because those two things go hand in hand. We grow more when we're in the presence of other people than we do when we're alone by ourselves. And so let's look at this this morning. Go ahead and pull out your notes or uh, get the notes up on your app. Point number one, I grow in my connectivity and in my maturity by uh, adopting the right Identity, adopting the right identity. Now, what's so important about your identity? 
Your identity has more to do with the choices you make in your life than you realize. I love what Craig Rochelle says, focus on who before do. In other words, if you want to accomplish something in your life, you better have a good sense of who you are. Because if you don't, it's going to derail you quickly. Many years ago, I was the Western Regional Sales Manager for this chemical company. And we were not a huge company, but we had just been bought out by this much, much larger company. And I had a new vice president that was over me, and I was just getting to know him, and they had a meeting that they called in Las Vegas. So all of the managers and people from around the country went there, and I was in charge of the Western U.S. And uh, during one of our conversations uh, during the day, the manager asked, would you like to go out to dinner tonight and dinner and drinks? And the place he mentioned was a, a club uh, that women maybe don't, maybe they don't dress appropriately. Let's just leave it at that, okay? And now, this is a new, a new uh, area for me. This is a, a new person in my life. He's going to be the person I'm reporting to. Obviously, I want to connect with him. Uh, I, I want to spend time. I want to bond. I want him to think that I'm a team player. There's a lot of good reasons why I would want to take advantage of his invitation. But the only problem is... I was also a husband. I, I also had children that I wanted to be a good example to. And more than that, I was a child of God. And so there's certain things because of my identity I would not allow myself to do. See, understanding who I am helps me understand what I need to do. It says this in Romans about our identity, Romans seven, five, and six. When we were controlled by our old nature, Sinful desires, and we've talked about that in the past. It doesn't have to be murder or adultery or something. Simple desires can simply be something that's uh, selfish or maybe just careless. The sinful desires were at work within us, and the law aroused these desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. But now... We have been released from the law, for we died to it. In other words, that identity is dead. It's gone. And are, we are no longer captive to its power. Now, we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. You see, we have a new identity, and the new identity creates new choices for us, new desires for us. <clears throat> so, the story of a guy who owned a hotel in New Orleans. It backed up to the Mississippi River. Kind of, if you've ever been in New Orleans, there's the, the French Quarter and there's, there's a lot of beautiful hotels. Well, his hotel was gorgeous and you could look out the window and you see the beautiful river. And one day he was walking around the property and he peeked over to the side. He noticed there was a fishing pole out one of the windows of the hotel. He was a little annoyed by this. He didn't want fish coming into the rooms and smelling up the hotel. So he uh, went to the manager and he said, I want you to put a little card in every room that says no fishing out of the windows. So they did this and a couple weeks later, he's walking the property again. He looked out the window. There was eight fishing poles out the window, right? Uh, it gave people the idea. There's something, and you guys don't deny it. You're like this too. If someone tells you can't do something, don't you want to do it a little more? Come on, right? That's your old nature, right? That's your old nature. We have a different identity now that we are in Christ. Uh, Ephesians puts it this way about our identity. 
It says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Now he's talking about the doing. Remember, he has identified you as his own. In other words, you belong to him. You have a different identity now. Guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Now, a lot of people, when it comes to redemption, when it comes to, to uh, being in the presence of God, what they think they have to do is to earn it. And so that leads us to start doing things to, like trying to be better, trying to be better, and it really ends up in two camps. We either uh, realize that we're a failure and we just give up, or we get prideful and we think we've arrived when we really haven't. What this is saying is, Forget about it, that's already secure. Now start living out the new identity that you have. A man was failing out of high school, he was doing very poorly. And this man uh, had a single mom who had been raising him, who was very worried about him, uh, wanted the best for him, and she had been kind of on him, it was his senior year and it was time to take the SATs, and. Uh, he finally, just to get his mom off his back, signed up to take the SAT test, but he knew he would do very poorly on the SAT. So he went and he did the SAT, and weeks later when he got his test results, against all odds, he had scored 1,480 points out of 1,600 possible. That's among the highest 99 percentile. All of a sudden, he, it hit him, and he started buckling down on his homework. He started hanging around with different people. He gave up certain things that he used to do. He pursued a, a good education, a post uh, high school education. He got his bachelor's degree. He went on to an Ivy League school. He got his, his, uh, his master's business administration degree. And he started a magazine company. Well, 12 years after the date of taking that test, he got a letter in the mail from the people that administer the SAT saying, we do periodic audits, and we did an audit for the year that you took the test, and we discovered there was 13 people that got the wrong score. Your score was actually 780. <laughs> now, you might think, you know, what was it? Was it the, the high score? No, it was the reality that he started living his life out of a brand new identity that he hadn't been living before. Friends, it's time for us to understand who we are in the identity that we have. So, I'm gonna read one more verse. It's in uh, 2 Corinthians, it says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. We read these things sometimes, I think we go through them and we just, we pass right by and we don't realize why does Paul, why does Jesus over and over talk about identity statements? It's because we struggle, we have problems in our head understanding who we are. And we don't understand who we are, we don't live out the reality of that identity. So, I have some affirmations for you this morning. I didn't write these scriptures all out because there's a lot of them and I'm just gonna paraphrase them. 
But I put them in your notes and I would encourage you to take them home and read these. Not only are these great affirmations, an affirmation is basically just something you can read that's true, something you can read that's, that you believe. Maybe you're struggling sometime to believe what God believes about you and you just need to read the truth about yourself. So I'm just gonna go through these real quick. Romans 12, two, not an affirmation, but a good idea. It just says, don't be transformed by the world, but be don't be uh, conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul's saying, hey, let the change take place up here first. In Ephesians 1, 3 to 5, it says, we've been given every spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. Every spiritual blessing. God didn't withhold anything. Everything you need, he gave you. 100% of what you need. It also says he loved you before the foundation of the world. In fact, he had you in mind before he created anything. That's a mind blower, but it's a truth. It also says that you've been adopted into his family. Those three verses alone are powerful. First uh, Peter 2.9 says you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood holy, set apart for God to do his good work. Romans 8.38 says nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. He goes on to give a litany of different things. None of them can separate you from God's love. Philippians 4.13 says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Sometimes we're in difficult times. We need to know that that's true. God can get us through it. Psalm 139.14 says we are fearfully and wonderfully made not by accident, on purpose, for a purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says we are a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works. Did you know you are called God's masterpiece? Don't take it lightly. Don't disbelieve what God is saying about you this morning. 1 Peter 1.18 and 19 says God paid a ransom for you, not any ransom, the precious blood of his own son. I got a question for you. If you did a crime and you went to jail and the bail was $100 and someone bailed you out, you would probably appreciate it if you didn't have $100. If you did something horrific, murder, whatever, and the bail was a million dollars and someone sold their home and emptied their bank account and paid all that money to bail you out, you would understand that they value you, wouldn't you? You are valuable because God sent his son as a sacrifice for you. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Romans 8.37 says we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. A conqueror is one thing. More than conqueror is something else. It's like if you watch someone win the Super Bowl and you're on the, you get to sit in the front lines in the stand, they win the Super Bowl, and they go over and hand you the Super Bowl trophy. You're more than a conqueror, right? <laughs> that's, what's, that's what's your identity. That's the identity God wants you to understand. We have got to understand if we're gonna be connected to other people who we are first so we can connect well and live out the purpose God's put into us. So first, we have to adopt the right identity. Second, I grow in my connectivity and my maturity by committing to the right people. Now, I wanna be very careful here because if there's a right people, there's also a wrong people, right? And I don't wanna say there's right and wrong or good or bad, but there are just people in your life that are the kind of people you want to prioritize, you want to spend some of your time with. Uh, somebody once said that you are the average 
of the five people you spend the most time with. So if you're gonna spend time with some people, it's good to make sure that there's some people in your life that, uh, that have the same values, that are going the same direction, that might even be farther ahead than you. If you do that, you might find your life begin to change. Committing to the right people just means I'm gonna make the people that God says important, important in my life. Now, we're not moving to a commune somewhere, right? We're not going to Idaho and getting a 1,000 acres and having Summit Ranch with barbed wire around and guns at the front, right? No. No. Boo, yeah. We need to be connected to the world, but the people that are having the greatest influence on us should be people that God wants in our life. So who are those people? Let's read it in Ephesians 4. 14 to 16. Uh, Paul is talking about the church here. And he's talking about the church as it works together seamlessly. He says, Paul says, I gave gifts to the church when I left. And in fact, those gifts are used to help everybody begin to work together as a team. And as they're working together as a team, this is what happens. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We won't be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Both of those things are important. Love is important, truth is important. Growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church, and he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. At some point in your week, carving out time for those people that God has called as his church is important. That's why we have small groups here. When, when we connect together and we take time uh, to get to know each other, we begin to grow. Have you ever noticed that Jesus, when uh, he was interacting with the crowds, he didn't give them a card and say, here, why don't you come to the temple on Saturday? We have a great coffee shop, you get a free latte. If you do that, wonderful kids ministry. Hope to see you there, you know. No, he said, come and see, come with me, spend some time with me. Jesus did life with people. That was the example he gave us. And that's what we're called to do. And when we do, our lives are transformed. Like nothing else. You grow in the ability to communicate, which I am not able to do right now. But you grow in the ability to communicate with one another, to connect with one another. You grow in empathy as you hear other people's stories. You grow in building trust. You grow in building respect for people and people grow in building respect for you. It helps you become a better active listener. It helps you start to have shared experiences. You ever notice when you're a group of people and someone says something that they've gone through and you went through the same thing, you all automatically have an instant connection with them. Something happens, it's magic when people are doing life together. You learn not only what God's doing in your life, but you hear other people's lives and things God's doing in their lives and you learn from that, sometimes negative examples. I, I always think about the, the disciples as kind of like a small group. And, you know, Peter is always raising his hand and asking Jesus dumb questions, and then Jesus is rebuking him. And you gotta know, the other six disciples are like, I have the same question, I'm so glad Peter's here, right? <laughs> because they're all learning from Peter. We learn from each other in context of doing groups together. 
Teresa and I uh, worked at a, another church, you know, uh, the, the other big church in the area. Uh, we worked there for a while, and one of the ministries we oversaw was men's ministry, and we had a, a night where guys would come at tables, so they had a lot of different groups in the room, and uh, so I didn't know everybody really well, but I, but I knew a lot of the people. Well, we got a call uh, at the church one day, one afternoon, there was uh, apparently one of the guys uh, from our church had gotten in an accident, in a motorcycle accident, really horrific. And he was uh, taken to the hospital, and at the hospital, they had his ID, but I, I guess he had a, a bulletin from the church or something, so the person at the hospital called the church to let us know what had happened. This is like right after the accident. And so Teresa was the one that picked up the call. And so she's taking the information and she begins looking online in the database of, of groups and names and she finds his name, she finds his group leader. She goes, oh, I'm gonna let his group know. So Teresa calls uh, the group leader, tells the group leader, hey, you know, the guy in your group, he's got a horrible accident and he's at the hospital and I just wanted to let you know. And that was the end of the conversation. Uh, she hangs up, the guy calls all of his group members, they go right down the hospital. Within two hours of the accident, there's a group, his guys were down there praying for him. Eventually when the family came, they connected with the family, encouraged the family, and then they walked that man through his recovery from not being able to walk to being in a wheelchair to, to being able to come back to the group on group night. And one night that guy wanted to share with everybody the impact it had on his life. He said that he was doubting his faith, he was unsure of where he was going in life, and he said, this one thing in my life completely changed the trajectory of my life. These, and they're like brothers now. They're inseparable. We need people like that in their, our lives. And it's not like, yeah, we're all going to have an accident this next quarter, so <laughs> we need to get in a group. But you never know when something bad is going to happen, and that tests whether or not you have the kind of relationships in your life, the kind of connection in your life that you need. God has called us to connect with each other. It's important, and that's why he's calling us out to do that in the scriptures this morning. It says this uh, in Acts. This is a great example of how to live our lives at the very onset of the church. Acts 2, 46 and 47 says, they worship together at the temple each day. They went to church every day, you guys. We struggle to go once every two weeks, don't we? Come on. Then they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the good will of all the people. Notice the good will. See, what, when we're living out our lives in community with each other, when we're genuinely loving each other, it can't help but make an impact, a ripple effect on those around, on those outside the church. Like, they hear about our struggles, they, they see uh, us loving on somebody, and it's, it's strange to them. It's strange in a good way, and so it becomes a testimony of God's love right inside the church. And each day it said the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. As a result of people seeing us love each other, other people come to Christ. Amen? The power in their transformation was the connection they had to each other. And as, as much as Pastor Chris or me or uh, Pastor Jamie would like to think that us giving a message every Sunday morning literally transforms the rest of your week. We know that by lunch, you don't remember point number one, right? 
When you're in a group though, and you're talking about what you've read and you're hearing stories from somebody else, that gets deep, deep inside of your soul. Let's commit to start spending some time with together. I'm gonna challenge you with three options here, three options. Number one, I'm gonna encourage you, if you haven't ever been in a group, take a risk and commit to a group. It's not hard, there's online ones, there's on-site ones, there's men's and women's, and we, we have one where they have daycare. They have you know, uh, child care for your kids. Jamie and Jared are leading that one. I mean, that's worth doing just period for you get away from your kids for a few minutes, all right? So <laughs> commit to joining a group. And if, you, if you've never done this, we talk about sync up Sundays. Really do it, like ask someone out to lunch that you don't know that well. It's, it's cool to get to know somebody a little more in this congregation. And here's another one. I'm just gonna throw this out there as a freebie. Uh, if you're going to church once every three weeks or every four weeks, double the number of times you go to church, unless there's something important like a football game on, right? <clears throat> just kidding. So, we need to start taking action towards our identity. I wanna uh, leave you with this final point, number three. I grow in my connectivity and my maturity by having the right heart, by having the right heart. And, and I think sometimes, you know, it's easy for us to say, you need to be this way, you need to be this way, you need to be this way. Listen, we're all kind of a mess, at different levels of messiness, right? We're, we're all jacked, jacked up-edness. We have a certain level of, whatever it is we've got, we're, we're all flawed. And so we all are on a spectrum. So I think two things happen when we connect to each other in community. Number one is, it does help us to start with the right heart, to kind of be tender towards each other, to try and uh, make allowances for other people. But I also think that it's good for us to realize we're gonna grow in the process. Like our hearts are gonna change. So having the heart, right heart is, is a great starting point, but also realize your heart's gonna change for the better as a result of your connection to the community. Um, Ephesians 4.32 says, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. That's great advice, kindness. Did you ever notice how kindness is sometimes surprising? When someone does something for you, it's out of the ordinary and it's just kind, it's surprising in a, in a good way. Being kind to people is, is kind of fun because you get to see the expression of joy on their face when you're kind. Being tender-hearted, not thinking you know it all. Being willing to just listen to somebody without giving advice, to just be there and put a hand on their shoulder. You know, I, I know that most people, when they tell you a problem, uh, they want you to fix it immediately by your words, but sometimes what helps them more is a hand on their shoulder. That was sar sarcastic, by the way. You're not picking it up on it. So, <clears throat> Pastor Dan said, give advice every time someone tells me their problems. And forgiving one another, and that is one of the most difficult things, but one of the things that makes us most like God when we're forgiving other people. We had a, a, a ministry we were in, it wasn't men's, but it was a singles ministry, and uh, we had a Sunday school class. There was a lot of different ages in the class, so there was some you know, more senior people and there were some younger people and everybody in between. 
And they would tend to, to come to class, we'd have our class, and they, they would sit uh, with different people, you kind of sit with your friends, and then they'd go off to lunch. One Sunday, uh, one of the guys from the ministry was driving out in front of the, this is a different story from before, it's a motorcycle accident. Also, don't ride motorcycles apparently, is the message today. So, so he's riding outside the front of the, uh, of the church, going down the street, and a woman from, he's in the ministry, a woman from the same ministry pulls out and there's six lanes and she's wanting to go right, so she, she pulls all the way across all six lines. Well, he's coming and she doesn't see him. So she cuts him off and he's trying to avoid her and he ends up going to a skid, goes under her car and she drags him 60 feet. And they, they rushed him to the hospital. I got the call, he was a friend of ours. We love him dearly. He, he had uh, a great business and beautiful house and lots of friends and, and two motorcycles. And he would let me borrow a motorcycle and I would take Teresa on drives on the motorcycle. And I, was, I would always, uh, if she wasn't holding on quite enough, I would gun it a little and she would hold on even tighter. So anyway, <clears throat> but uh, I get the call that he's in the hospital. So I, I go to the hospital and uh, we, we begin praying for him. And I, I'll never forget his mom was there. <clears throat> his family was there. And the doctor came to me as his pastor and said, I just... The mom wants to talk to you, but I just want to let you know, I've never seen injuries like this survive. So um, he had also told the mom that. <clears throat> so I went in and, and I prayed with the, the, the mom and the family, and I said, I, I, I know what he said, and he might be right, but I'm not here to represent science. I'm here to represent God. And I know with God all things are possible. So we're going to pray as if God can do a miracle. And so we did. And over the coming weeks, God did do a miracle. Like he, he came out of his coma. Um, he began to be a little more lucid. He had, his whole body was broken in so many places. Uh, he began healing. You know, some of the complications that seem to keep happening with those kinds of accidents resolve themselves. And uh, he was finally released. <clears throat> So months, months and months passed, and I remember talking to him, and he had a really hard time with what had happened to him, because while he was in the hospital, he, he lost his business, his business went under, he lost his home, he lost all kinds of, of uh, financial uh, support, and so he, he had some feelings about all that. Well, probably a couple of years had gone by and he told us he wants to come to the class and he wants to talk to the woman that hit him. And of course the woman that hit him was mortified at the time. She just, you can imagine what that would do to you if you hit somebody. But she agreed to, to meet with him and they sat there at the end of the class. We went to the corner with them and I'll never forget her telling him, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I can't believe I did that. I just, I, it, it is ingrained in my mind. I can't get it out of my head. I just, I can't believe I did that. I'm, it's just so apologetic. And he stopped and he said, I can't imagine how hard that must have been for you to carry around all this time. He goes, I want you to know that I forgive you. I don't want you to feel any guilt about this. It was an accident. 
and God's gonna take care of me. It was just one of the most moving things I've ever seen. That is powerful. That's God at work in two people's lives. You know, forgiveness really is connection. It's a reconnection between people. And those are the kinds of things that happen when we do life together and we care about each other genuinely and we live out the identity that God's given us as his children. We're gonna be living with each other for all eternity. We might as well start learning how to get along now, right? I'm gonna close with this final verse. Galatians 6.10 says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. And we've been talking about doing good and we want to do good in our community. But let's start making sure we're committed to, making time for, and practicing with God's children that he's put in this church community. Amen? All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you have not only sacrificed your son for us, not only pursued us, forgiven us, that you not only give us your Holy Spirit to direct us and give us wisdom and help us navigate our lives and go through difficult times, but Lord, you have given other people and you are doing the same thing in their lives and, and you bring their lives into connection with ours and, and they pour into us and they lift us up and they encourage us and then all of a sudden somehow you use us in their lives. And it's such a beautiful thing when your family, your children, are working together and loving each other and committed to each other and forgiving each other. And so I just pray right now for everybody in this room to have some sort of a step they can take towards greater connection, knowing that that's your plan for them, that's your design for them, and that's your heart for them. And I know there may be some people in here that have struggled, that they just feel like their life is a mess, that they are doing things, they're living uh, out their lives in a completely different identity than what you have for them. And it just feels that their life is unmanageable. And I just pray that right now they would give you an opportunity to love them and forgive them right where they are and help them understand that Jesus died so they might die to their old self and live to the new identity you have for them as a forgiven, free, loved child of God. And so if anyone wants to do that, you can do that right now, right where you are, but just inviting him into your life. Lord, help us to go out, to live out our purpose and our identity in Jesus' name, amen.